this morning to Roseville Baptist Church and thank you Lauren and Paul as you introduce us to worship and we invite you to worship with us today and we're glad for those who come um, that are local in our church a part of our RBC community and those who live here within this community others who listen from afar and we have had people even in other countries who have listened to us and many different states and different uh, towns and cities and so we are delighted again that you're part of our worship experience and we ask that the living God would come and fall fresh on us this morning that we would experience uh, his Holy Spirit in its fullness and we hope that you are touched and blessed as a result of that we hope that you are part of our email list and if you're not then you can contact our church office as you find out uh, updated things that are taking place in the life of our church, things that are being scheduled. Uh, also, uh, you can get our sick uh, list there, and usually Pam sends that out on Friday, and also order of service uh, for our services on Sunday morning. Uh, it's been a long while, hasn't it, since we have been in the midst of this coronavirus, and uh, we keep thinking we're getting ready to come out of it and something else happens, but we're hoping soon uh, that we'll be able to get back together uh, many people are asking about the new building. Uh, we are now within a month, we hope, of finishing it up completely, and we're excited about it. And uh, what uh, we've seen in there is it's beautiful, and we're going to be excited about getting in there when we're able to do that. So thank you for your support that you've given to this church in so many ways, and we, we have heard your comments and your positive affirmation. and. Thank you so much for all that you have done and letting us know that you've appreciated these services. This morning we want to go to the Lord in prayer remembering those that are on our prayer list. And I won't mention each person, but I would mention a few. Jim Pierce, uh, who had surgery last week, is finally at home. And Jim, we're glad that you are there. And we pray for you and Ruth. Malin Cook is at home as well. And we pray for Malin and Dot and his family. Preston Avert. Uh, we pray for Preston as his situation is, is certainly uh, difficult and we lift up he and Lynn and their entire family during this time and hospice of course is involved 
uh, with them. Hilton Eads, who is Lee Fowler's brother, had surgery this past week, still is in a UNC hospital and recovering and has had a very difficult surgery. So please be in prayer uh, for he and his family. And I would mention Faye Mitchell, who broke her arm and had surgery this past week on it. And uh, we hope, Faye, that that continues to heal up. And there's others, I'm sure, <clears throat> within our church family that if you uh, could mention, you would. And we do hide them in our hearts. Uh, many times they're not all physical ills, are they? As we know, this coronavirus has had an effect on our people emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Uh, we feel like as though that we have been in exile during this time, that we've been off in a foreign country and we're ready to come back home. Uh, it's been hard on so many people. It's changed all of our lives. We've all had to make adjustments to that, and it's uh, really been a tough transition. So we lift all of those up and all those concerns, and I, I ask that you join me in prayer, remembering those that are part of our church family, those your own personal family, and those who are friends, and those around the world who are suffering. Uh, we just have a lot of issues and a lot of problems and a lot of challenges in the world that we live in. I just ask that you spend some time in meditation, prayer with me as we lift all of those concerns up. Would you join me? Our Heavenly Father, our hearts are poured out to you with heaviness of heart for the various things and concerns that we have. Our prayer list, we have many people who are not just sick, but very critically sick. We have many families who are struggling to be able to provide the care that's necessary during this time, this uh, very testing and trying. We pray, Lord, that you be with the individuals that we've mentioned, that healing would occur, and we pray that they would be able to experience your love and peace, but we pray that you provide for the caring families that come along beside them and give them support and nurture. We ask, Father, for an extra measure of strength and grace to help them out. We pray, O oh Lord, that as each of us have been affected during this time of the coronavirus, that we would make those adjustments as necessary in transitions. Help us, Lord, to see something positive, even in the midst of all the negativity that we hear from day to day and we experience. We pray, Lord, that you would touch us where we hurt and we would know of your grace and love, and may we know that you never leave us by ourselves, that we are not orphans, but we are part of the family of God, and that you love us deeply. We pray for each family and each person who listens today. And Lord, their own personal concerns, we pray that you would hear them and find a way to minister to them and provide reconciliation. Lord, during this service today, we ask that each of us would humbly submit our hearts and lives to you, that we would open it up so that you could come in, Lord, in a more full manner, and that when our service is over, that our lives are changed and transformed, and we can say we want to be more like Jesus, and we have a desire to be more like him as we strive uh, to understand who we need to be in the world today. So, Father, walk with us and show your love and grace to us. For it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we make this prayer. Amen.
Well, good morning, church. It is uh, such a pleasure to be in worship here this morning, and I'm, I'm thankful for our guests, uh, Lauren, Paul, and my good friend Jen Hazelden, who is going to help lead us um, in our hymn this morning. Um, even in these times, we should be able to reflect and think on um, our blessings, on how God has blessed us, and I hope you'll um, pray with us in song this morning as we sing Come Thou Fount. Come Thou Fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to Good morning, and a special welcome to all of our children who are watching along with us this morning. Parents, I'll remind you that our worship bulletin for children for this morning can be found on our Roseville Baptist Church Children's Ministry Facebook page. This morning, I have a question for you, and I know you can't answer directly back to me, but maybe think in your mind uh, the answer that you might have to this question, or maybe share answers there with you and your family, uh, with those who are watching along with you. Think about this question. What does it take to be a Christian? Well, obviously, the first answer that I think many of us would think of is it means that we believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's a big, big part of being a Christian. But what are some other things that you think of when you think of Christians? Do you think of being at church? Well, obviously, being at church is important. 
It's important, an important part of a, a Christian's life to associate with other Christians and be here at church, but it doesn't make you a Christian just because you come to church. I had someone when I was growing up who told me, just because you're at McDonald's doesn't make you a French, make you a French fry, and just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. So just because you're at church doesn't necessarily mean you're a Christian. Well, what does it mean then? Does it mean we believe all the same things? Well, not necessarily that either. Even within our own church here at Roseville Baptist Church, there's different beliefs about what the music should be or what communion should be. Um, there's other things that we disagree on. There's, there's differences in belief, and that's okay. There's an old uh, saying that when there's two Baptists in a room together, you have three different opinions. And sometimes that's true. That's okay, though. But what does it really take to be a Christian? Well, there's a verse in our passage of Scripture this morning that I want to read to you, and I think it really sums up what it means to be a Christian. Listen to this verse. It's from Romans chapter 13. In the law, there are many commands, such as be faithful in marriage, do not murder, do not steal, do not want what belongs to others. But all of these are summed up in the command that says, love others as much as you love yourself. Love others as much as you love yourself. So if I could point to one thing that really uh, says what it means to be a Christian, that's what I would point to. Love others as much as you love yourself. And I am in particular want to point out some things that we do here at Earlsville Baptist Church that show our love in action. Um, one of the things is that in these recent months, um, maybe even some of your parents and grandparents, but definitely a lot of different members in our church have been making masks because they want people to be safe. And I've got a couple here that people have made for me. This is a nice uh, black one that goes along with my suit this morning, and I really like it. It fits really well. This one is one that another uh, couple of friends of mine here at church made, and it's an Atlanta Braves mask, so I really like that one. You all know that I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan, so that, that's something that people here at our church have done to show love. Think about uh, the storms that have hit our state over the past few years, the hurricanes. Think about all the people from our church. There's been one gentleman in particular who's organized several trips for people to go and help those people at the um, eastern part of our state who have been hurt by those hurricanes and storms. Uh, think about the, the men in our church who have organized and helped build wheelchair ramps for handicapped people who uh, can't get up and down steps anymore. And think about... Um, you know, the, the people who, when school is in session, who show up here at our church on weekday afternoons and help and, and feed children who come from the schools and uh, also help, to, uh, help them read and help them to do their homework. We are certainly a group of people who shows our love through actions. And that is the most important part that I can tell you um, to showing that you're a Christian is showing it through our love. There's an old hymn that says, they will know we are Christians by our love. And so that's the most important thing we can do to show others that we are Christians. 
is to show them <clears throat> through our actions and through our love. So I want you to think about that this week. How can you show your love through your actions this week? Maybe you know someone who's sick, who you can make a card and send to them. Maybe you know someone new who's moved into your neighborhood, and you and your parents can help uh, make some cookies together and take over to their house to welcome them to their new house. I don't know what that may look like for you, but think of that. How can you show your love through actions this week? Think about that, and let's pray together and ask God to help us. Dear God, thank you so much for the love that you first showed to us through your son, Jesus. And God, I thank you that we have trust in him, that he uh, will not fail us. But Lord, I pray that we would show our love uh, towards others through our actions and through what we do to others. Help us to be loving people who show we are Christians by our love. In Jesus' name, amen.
song, don't you? The anchor of peace. Did you hear those words? In a time that we're living in, don't we need that anchor of peace through Jesus Christ our Lord? Thank you, Jen and Brett and Ron for giving us that uh, wonderful music, and we're appreciative of that, and I hope it's already spoken to your heart. It did mine, and uh, we are living in a time we need that anchor of peace. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd love for you to follow along with me as we read from Romans, the 13th chapter verses 8 through 14 together. We hear in this verse that love fulfills the law and also that the day is near. It's always later sometimes than we think it is and particularly as we think of our own personal salvation in the Lord. Beginning in verse 8 of that 13th chapter of Romans, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And then Paul says, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, 
not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and in jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of His precious and His holy word. Time to wake up. I know when um, I was at home growing up, often it was my dad who would come into the room and uh, let us boys know it was time to get up. And he would come in and say, all right, uh, guys, it's time to get up. Uh, it's time to get up out of the bed, time to go to school. Particularly on one of those cold mornings. Ooh, you just wanted to stay there in bed, didn't you? You didn't want to get up out of the bed. And so I dozed back off to sleep, and it wasn't long before Dad came, and he had a little harder and more harsher tone this time. He said, son, I said it's time to get up out of the bed and go to school. Well, you know, we jumped on up then because we knew he meant business, but that uh, was a call for us to move quickly. What is Paul saying here to us in this passage of Scripture this morning? This Sunday in September, he writes again that the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So quit your slumbering, he is saying to us this morning. It's time for us to wake up for our salvation that we find in the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. Rome in Paul's time probably wasn't much different than it is here in America today. People, they're people, aren't they? Unless someone is sounding the alarm all the time in our society about what is taking place, it has a tendency to break down, to deteriorate, and to be pulled down by those uh, within our own nature. We, see our, we find our weaknesses pulling us down in a sinful way. Paul was warning the church at Rome not to hit the snooze button when it came to the pull of these destructive pleasures. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Even with our good intentions, and most of us have good intentions, we are not quite ready oftentimes to face the morning and all of its demands, and so we just go over and sort of hit that snooze button, don't we? According to USA Today, more than one-third of American adults hit the snooze button every morning, an average of three times. Well, who snoozes the most? 25 to 34-year-olds, they say 57% of those hit the snooze button daily. Well, who rises the quickest? Well, it might surprise you. It's seniors. Only 10% of Americans over 65 years of age hit that snooze button. Maybe that's because seniors have finally come to the understanding of how precious time is to them. Certainly it is time all of us to wake up and ask ourselves what we can do to find a world that would be more healthy and more wholesome. A society where families are healthy and strong. A society where everyone's dignity is affirmed whether you are part of a traditional family or not. 
a world in which the love of Christ dwells in each and every heart in this world that we live in. Dr. Rourke, who was a preacher of days gone by, was a quirky kind of guy. He did a lot of things in his own personal life, but even in his preaching. And one of the things that he did in his preaching is he would be preaching along, and when he really got uh, to the zinger in his sermon, to the real point he was trying to make, he would say to his congregation, Are you listening? And then he would pause. And what he wanted those folks who were making their grocery list to do was stop writing it down, to quit dabbling in their bulletin, uh, to be able to quit passing notes to one another. In other words, I've got something that I really want to say, and I want you to hear it. Are you listening? He would say to them. As we look at this passage here this morning, some people read Paul's words to say it's time for us to listen. It's time for the world that we live in to wake up. The world is going south quickly on that roller coaster downhill. Wake up before it's too late. And certainly there's a time for us to hear that. New York Times columnist A.M. Rosenthal once wrote a column on the problem of drug addiction in our country. He began his column like this. He says, it's a familiar nightmare. We have all had it. The train is coming down the track as somebody you know and you scream, get out of the way, get out of the way, but it doesn't move and the train keeps on coming and you wake up in the middle of night sweating. He goes on to add, a drug train is coming, but the people standing on the track simply do not seem able to jump off out of the way or even hear that screeching whistle that is blowing. There are many people who need a wake-up call in our country because they are engaging in self-destructive behavior. One day we're going to wake up to the moral drift and shift that we've had in our society concerning our behavior and wonder what in the world have we done with our children and grandchildren and family and friends that we love and believe in so much. You see, what have we done to the very core and foundation of who we are? St. Paul says this in the passage that we are to wake up out of our slumber because our salvation is nearer than we first believed. In 2013, Swedish uh, DJ Vinci wrote the highest charting dance track of the decade. Uh, wake Me Up, you may remember that. You can find that song on YouTube and along with it, is a musical video. Well, the lyrics are about uh, living a dream and waking up to realize a new and better reality. And Avinci uh, wrote this as a result of his own personal success, which thrust him into a place he never imagined. But the video took the lyrics a step further, suggesting that we all need to leave behind those places and people who don't accept us for who we are in order to embrace new people and new places where we are loved and where we can fit in. 
This is what it means to be true to ourselves. The musical video depicts a foreign woman and a young girl who is her sister living in a small, bland town in which the local townspeople look at them with disdain and disapproval and they are not loved and accepted for who they are. This disapproving town is depicted as being judgmental. And one night, the older lady gets onto her horse and rides into the town and there she experiences for the first time love and joy and acceptance among those young people attending an Avinci concert. They dance and enjoy each other and afterwards she rides back to receive her younger sister and they move to the city with the local townspeople and those townspeople love them and embrace them and love them for who they are. If Paul lived today, I imagine that he'd have loved that song because that's what he's propagating here in this passage, for people to love one another for who they are. Not always what they hope uh, someone would become, and that's a pipe dream, but taking people where they are with all of our flaws, with all of our sins and imperfections, and accepting that. Paul spends significant time in his letter to the Roman church trying to convince them, listen, that they will live in harmony and peace in cooperation with one another to behave like a more harmonious and loving group of people. Whether you look at this video I talked about or Paul's uh, dilemma in the church as a generational issue or simply as being Christ-like, the message is the same. We are called we are called to love one another. That's simple enough, isn't it? We were created to dance. The dance of life with each other in joy. And yes, even harmonious differences. Have you looked around lately at the world? I hear it weekly. Boy, we're living in a difficult world. People sure have changed. It's not the world that I entered. I don't know what's going to happen to our world. We've got more chaos and confusion than I've ever seen. Those are some of the things that I'm hearing. But we don't sometimes understand that when we are in conflict, that it is energy draining. Our judgments become biased. And our existence, it becomes dark and colorless. Living in the light, for Paul suggests, not only authenticity and transparency, but living color, truth, and seeing each other for who we are and accepting each other in love. That's not always easy, is it? But Christ is the way. And we're told in the scriptures, he is the light. To treat each other with disrespect is to hide in the darkness and to cover up our biases. To live honorably as in the day is to put jealousy and envy and quarreling aside and to treat each other with true love and respect. Paul realized that in order 
to create the church that he wanted to see people needed to bond together in harmonious differences. The early church was a new blend of all kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles and Greeks and foreigners. There were different people coming from different cultures and practices. And when Jesus gathered those first disciples together, they didn't look like like-minded people. But he chose disciples from a wide range of places and cultures and mindsets and occupations. Old rowdy fishermen and devout Jews and even tax collectors. Greeks, those from within and those from without the system in the religious body of that day. The only thing that we see that was binding them together was their belief in Jesus Christ and their faith in the truth of the resurrection and the promise of salvation that would not only bless us in this life abundantly, but would give us life eternally one day as we leave here. In everyday life, these men would have despised each other and would never have spoken to one another, let alone spent time together. And yet Jesus taught them to become brothers, a team, to respect each other, to place their minds and hearts on something higher than their political affiliations and their economic status and their own personal lifestyles. In three years, Jesus transformed this motley crew into a great evangelistic tool who would build a church and would heal the multitude. He used all kinds of people. He's probably some of those folks we wouldn't have chosen. And we would have questioned Jesus. And believe me, you, the religious leaders of that day questioned Jesus at every turn that he made. What in the world are you up to? What are you doing? But Jesus knew what he was doing, did he not? The key, says St. Paul, is to be prepared for God's salvation by clothing yourself with Jesus Christ. Paul says at the end of his passage, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Clothe, or he says, put on yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a beautiful image. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonder if each morning when we woke up, we put on Jesus' clothes. What would they look like? Wonder that night when we went to bed, we took them back off, but we'd worn them all day, and we'd practice what that meant to wear them. Certainly a beautiful passage in telling us what we need to be. We need to get dressed up in Jesus. There's an old story about a little girl who went to church and listened intently to what the preacher had to say that morning. And he was talking about <clears throat> letting Jesus live in our hearts. And after the worship service, she asked the preacher, she said, Preacher, I'm a little girl and Jesus is so big. If Jesus would live in my heart, wouldn't he be sticking out someplace? That's the whole point. Some of us actually put on Christ 
Others simply dabble with putting on Christ. We only wear that outer garb. Putting on Christ means dressing from the inside out. Do you hear me? We not only have let Jesus live in our hearts, but we wrap our hearts in love and his presence. Then Jesus will stick out like everything that we are doing. Putting on Christ means living for him from the inside out. A mother had two children and she put them to bed one night and said good night to them and prepared for bed herself. And she went into her bathroom, put on her old clothes and washed her hair and wrapped it up in a towel for it to dry. She put on cold cream to be able to take off her makeup. And about that time, before she could take it off, she heard this noise in the other room. It was two children in there playing. And boy, she ran into the room and she saw them and she said, what in the world are you doing? Get yourselves back into the bed. She reminded them it's time to go to sleep and she slammed the door. And at the end of the room, one of the children with a, a trembling voice asked the other, who was that? We don't want others to say, who was that? When they look at our lives, we want others to know who it is that is living as close as we can to Jesus Christ our Lord, that we epitomize who he is. We constantly need to strive to put on Christ and to love the way that he wanted us to love with determination and energy and commitment and also with intention. And when we do, we will find ourselves living the kind of life that we never dreamed could be possible. I know that you thought about it. What's heaven going to be like? And of course, we always put ourselves there. Have you thought about who else might be there? I thought about that a lot. And they're not always going to be just like me. They're going to probably be quite different from me. We need to, to learn to function with family and friends and loved ones and co-workers and neighbors and even strangers a way that we can love one for the other. As Dr. Rourke would say, are you listening? I'm inviting you to fall in Jesus Christ's love and grace again. To fall in love with him in a special way like you maybe have known before but have wandered away. To wake up from your slumber and to clothe yourself with Christ that you might discover the joy of your own salvation. As Paul writes, the hour already has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. Yes, it is. It's not for tomorrow. But I hear that clear wake-up call today in my life, and I hope you do, that it's later than we may think it is. We've been reminded 
of a lot of things since March, haven't we? And some of us would understand that we've taken life for granted, that we've been a blessed people, and now we've had to adjust to some situations like never before. But we have to understand that Jesus Christ is the Lord of this world, and he needs to be Lord of our life, and we need to submit our lives to him on a very regular and daily basis, not just on Sunday morning or other times during our lives when we have some epiphany. But every day should be a wake-up call. That like my father would call me to get out of bed, he's calling us to get up from where we are and our spiritual complacency and to take action and to be the people of God, to really be the people of God without excuse to do what we're called to do. So wake up, people of God. Be the light and love of Jesus Christ. Do you agree? Amen and amen. It has been a joy for you to have been with us this morning. We hope that you read this scripture and that the Lord himself, through his spirit, speaks to us. Oftentimes, uh, we are controlled uh, by those around us, and I hope that all of us would submit our lives to Christ to allow him to work in our lives. We thank you so much for listening with us today in this worship. What an honor and a privilege for all of us. Each morning we come and we pray before we start that God would use our talents, our gifts, our abilities, our weaknesses to be able to touch somebody's lives. We don't know what's going on in your life, but we know that uh, there is real challenges today. There's real problems. Some of you, your, your hearts are so heavy it's about to burst. But I would pray that you would come to the Lord and that you'd rest and trust in Him. My prayer is if we can help you here at the church, our church staff, we're open and available to talk to you. Many of you have called during these days and wanted to talk or for us to come out and see you. Be glad to, to help in any possible way we possibly can. We thank you for your support that's been through many acts of affirmation. We thank those who have made contributions to the church. Uh, it, it's important that we continue to do that as the church continues to move along. But God is working in our world. Even during these difficult days, will you allow Christ to come into your life? life? May you wake up to what Christ is calling you to do. Would you join me in a prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we humbly submit ourselves to you this morning. And we pray, O oh Lord, that if there's one there this morning who has heard your voice and has said, I really don't know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, but I invite him into my heart this morning and I want to live for him as long as God gives me breath. Uh, we just claim that as a victory. There may be those who are listening who have said, I've drifted away. I didn't even know I was drifted away. It's become such a habit for me to live a particular way, but we pray, Lord, that uh, those people would come in an act of rededication where they are, and that they'd pray that prayer to you, and God, that you would give them the energy and the ump to be able to do the work to be the Christians in today's world. 
like we've never needed them before. We pray for those who are hurting and some of those, Father, who uh, feel as though that they're going to explode, that you would come to them and that you would bring a calm and peace over them. Lord, we just are grateful that we can call you our Lord and Savior. Bless us as we depart from this worship time, and may we be more faithful in serving you. For us in the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. We thank those who will lead us out in song again. May God bless you until we are able to meet again. Stay safe.